Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking about the issues of loneliness, isolation, and how to overcome them with true friendship and community. For more information on these and other issues, check out Jack's website at jackeason.org. Now here's Jack. Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, whether you're watching or whether you're listening. Uh, I am just uh, truly honored to have a special guest uh, with us today. Uh, Andrew Steptoe, and he is uh, from London. We're connected, obviously, virtually with what's happening in our world. But uh, I am just so intrigued by uh, by your experience with not just loneliness, but a lot of things that you've done now as, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, the head of the Department of Behavioral Science and Health at University College in London. Uh, grew up in London. You ha- you have done a lot of things. We'll have links to a lot of things that you have done just throughout your career. You were a lecturer at Christ Church, Oxford. I-, I know you have a love for music. I have an affinity for music, too, right. and tra- traveled for 10 years in the United States uh, doing music. Uh, it seems like a lifetime ago. Maybe sometime we'll have a conversation about music. But I, I came across your-, your article, actually several articles that intrigued me about loneliness. Uh, of course, we're in the midst of that right now because of the, the pandemic. How did this become a, an interest for you uh, as a topic and a, and a study? How did, how did you land on discovering this whole pandemic, really, of loneliness? Well, I suppose, Jack, the answer is that I am interested uh, in, I'm an epidemiologist and a psychologist, and I'm interested in the way psychological experiences can influence health. So that's the, the, the background for where I come from. And clearly, social relationships are a very important part of people's experience. And understanding how those things affect health has been uh, an important theme in my research over the last 20 years or so. Um, I carry out a number of different sorts of research, but one is that I work particularly with older people. Um, on a study, a large study called the English Longitudinal Study of Aging, which has been going now since 2002, uh, with uh, studying people as they move through uh, their 50s, 60s, retirement into older age. Um, and of course, among older people, the effects of loneliness and isolation tend to have quite uh, marked effects on physical health outcomes. And that's a bit different from younger people who are also, of course, experiencing loneliness and isolation because. Younger people don't, they seldom end up getting, you know, heart disease or diabetes, certainly not in the first few years. And so their experience tends to be more an impact on mental health. So there's some very interesting uh, differences, I think, uh, with age as well. Yeah, you you cited the two groups as I was studying to write this book that's coming out. Um, It's interesting. My initial purpose was just to talk about the power of togetherness. And as I started researching, I'm like, well, we, we, we look like we're together because we have our devices and we're, we're seemingly connected, but, but we're really not. And you just identified kind of those two groups in my study, a limited study compared to yours, for sure, uh, the, the younger generation because of technology and the older ones, maybe their life partner passes away and they find themselves lonely. What, what are some things, especially with the older folks that you have discovered with loneliness, um, well, seem to be causing it? I think it, you've, you know, you've mentioned uh, some of the important things. As people get older, their social circles tend to diminish. Uh, you know, obviously there are bereavements. Uh, people's parents, own parents die and their siblings die. 
they may stop work and so they lose those kind of social connections they get through work. Um, sometimes friendships tend to wither away. Uh, and so there are a, a great challenges, I think, to keep uh, socially active uh, among older people, particularly, of course, if they're living alone or if they are bereaved. Uh, and so those, those things come into play uh, quite strongly, I think, uh, as you get older. You mentioned in one of your articles that I came across, and again, uh, there's extent, you've done so much extensive uh, research on this. There was an article about uh, loneliness and social isolation um, and behavioral and biological health indicators in older adults. Yeah. I was really intrigued by that because uh, one of the things that you mentioned in there were older adults being, of course, as you just said, at greater risk of being socially isolated um, and that those feelings that come about uh, in, in your experience, what are some steps that that age group is taking that is working that keep this kind of preventing them from going into this whole isolation area? Well, it, gets it gets complicated, of course, because we know that loneliness is quite strongly linked with isolation, but they're far from being the same thing. There are particularly some older people who are really quite independent and they don't mind being on their own and just carry on as before, and there are other people who feel lonely despite apparently having uh, some, some good social connections. And that makes it quite difficult to, um, to help people with loneliness uh, because, you know, in some ways I think we can help people, uh, you know, um, have social connections through befriending kind of programs and, and these kind of activities. Whether those really tackle loneliness, I think, is, is is, is difficult to know because a lot of loneliness, particularly for older people, is because they've actually lost a close loved one. Um, mm. And that's not something which is uh, very easy to replace. Um, but I think, you know, as society understands more about the importance of these factors, and I hope during this COVID outbreak, one of the few benefits could be that people have a better understanding of these things. Uh, maybe they'll get to see uh, how important these processes are for people. What what are I know you you have measured and discovered a lot of the effects on on behavioral health. What are some of the things that you've seen happen to people who have um, either become socially isolated in their older age or developed that loneliness factor? Well, but we've we've looked both at uh, lifestyle factors, things like physical activity, alcohol consumption prudent diets and so forth, and also at some of the biology and particularly the stress biology, which is related to loneliness. But as far as lifestyle is concerned, there seems no doubt that lonelier people tend to be physically less active. Uh, they tend to, um, if they are smokers, then they're less likely to give up smoking. Uh, and I think quite importantly for older people, they don't tend to uh, attend so much to the kind of preventive services that we have available now, things like flu jabs, uh, cancer checks, those sorts of things. And I think a lot of that is driven by the fact that they don't have someone else there to encourage them to do these things. Mm. And so, you know, they, they're, they're sort of uh, left to their own resources and their own resources uh, may be that they, you know, they're not um, uh, able to take those things on. So I think um, trying to help people to, to do those things is, is very important. What, what are um, some of the discoveries? That, did anything in your research and study uh, of all these years on this issue, was there anything that where you kind of had an aha, something that you came across like, I, I never would have thought that that was an indicator or an issue? 
Well, I think we're learning much, much more about how these things work. And in particular, we're learning more about the biology, uh, about how, the way in which loneliness and isolation can affect really quite fundamental processes in our biology, uh, which are relevant to health, the uh, changes in uh, concentrations in the blood of various substances that are potentially hazardous, the way in which uh, the changes in hormone levels, all those sorts of things I think are are very important discoveries to show how isolation and loneliness are kind of embedded physically in our beings. Mm. They're not just mm. a separate activity to do with our mental health. Mental health is, of course, very important, but you know, it's more than that. Uh, and it affects sleep, it affects uh, waking life, uh, and you know, the, the impacts are really quite profound. For, for somebody who maybe they're listening or watching and they have a uh, you know, an elderly parent or grandparent who seems to be drifting uh, into these areas of, of isolation and loneliness, um, should, should they seek some kind of uh, medical attention? They can do some practical things, some of those you've mentioned, but uh, what other steps would you recommend? I, I don't think that one should think of loneliness or isolation as a, as a disease. So I don't think, you know, one should bring in, um, you know, physicians to, to, to help with this. Um, I do think there are some practical things to be done. And one of the issues, for example, we think about are the way in which people respond, older people respond to symptoms in themselves. You know, they may, for example, have a persistent cough or they may have some change in skin, a bump, a lump, or they may feel some pain somewhere, which they're not necessarily seeking medical advice for. But if there was someone else around, they would say, you should really get that checked out. And uh, that might well be helpful at a very sort of practical level. But I think for many um, children and other family members, remembering to keep in touch uh, and uh, trying to maintain those uh, relationships is really important. And I, I guess one of the worries we have at the moment is, um, to some extent during this period, it's certainly in the UK, we've had quite strong lockdown in our country. And so um, uh, people are, have been quite isolated. And paradoxically, that sort of helped some isolated people because people have been much more aware of the older lonely people mm. and helped them out and brought food them for them and all those sorts of things. But we are concerned that as that whole situation changes and we get back to some semblance of normal life, those people will be left behind again. Uh, yeah. And uh, the good habits may not be sustained. Right. Do you, do you think that um, the health issues drive the loneliness or does loneliness create the, the the negative health issues or is it or is it some of both well that's an interesting question as it happens i've just been doing some uh, studies of loneliness and pain uh, where it does look like it's a two-way process you know that lonelier people in the future are more likely to develop uh, serious pains uh, at older age but on the other hand pain itself then stimulates loneliness, probably through the kind of loss of social contact, the loss of social activity that mm. people do. Uh, if they're mm. in pain, they're not so mobile. And so uh, it's, a, it's definitely a two-way process. And that's probably true right through this area, um, you know, that these things go, can go both ways. Clearly, you know, being ill, sick with some physical health problem or, or with a mental health problem is going to influence one's social experience. There's no doubt about that um and uh but the other way around may also be true wow wow what what 
what have I not asked because I don't know as much about this issue. I don't know as much about this issue as you do uh, that you, you think is just profound or something really important that we need well, to make I, sure. I, I do think that during this COVID outbreak, there are particular challenges that we do need to understand. I mean, I don't know how it is in the US, but in this country, the focus has all been on the infection, on you know controlling the infection. And so obviously things like social distancing and uh, not going out very much are quite effective ways of managing that. But that does have a cost and it has a cost in terms of these social relationships. And I think uh, these social experiences have been somewhat underplayed because obviously they're not, you know, they're not the same as catching the disease. They're not going to put you at very high risk for your uh, survival in the next few weeks. Uh, but they are potentially going to put you at greater risk for survival over a longer time period. And so we do need, I think, to, to pay particular attention to that and to support people who are struggling uh, with mental health problems. And we have people, uh, quite young people, who are developing quite marked symptoms of depression uh, and, uh, and, and feeling you know, pretty grim. Um, and those sorts of things are not just gonna go away overnight when they start socializing mm -hmm. again, because these are right. quite profound experiences. I agree. I, I think here in the States, um, we're very similar to the, to the UK. We've started to open up gradually. Yeah. And I think people uh, are, uh, uh, how can I say that they are, um, they're, they're very ready to, to move on with life for those yeah. reasons. And, and many people have identified, just as you mentioned, um, that there may be much bigger issues at stake here the longer that we stay isolated. I, I heard some, someone this past week talk about the suicide rate has increased, domestic violence, you know, has in, those things yes. that we don't really, we're not watching right now. Yeah, um, I think those things definitely are important. And the other area that's becoming increasingly understood is that people aren't actually going to hospitals for the treatments that they should be getting for their routine kind of things. I, for example, I was having conversations earlier today with cancer surgeons um, who are, finding that people who are scheduled for surgery or people who should be coming in for chemotherapy, they're just so terrified of hospitals mm. at the moment because hospitals they see as being a kind of hotbed of infection that uh, they're probably damaging their health through not uh, maintaining uh, the, the treatments that they should be having. So that's going to have knock-on effects, I think, over several months, uh, even when uh, those services get back to normal again. Uh, that uh, we are going to need to recognize. And of course, sadly, for those sorts of issues, they tend to be more concentrated among older people. Mm, yes, yes. Well, maybe after all this is hopefully in the in the past, in our rearview mirror, uh, you and I can connect again, and maybe you'll have another study to help us uh, realize maybe how we should have responded uh, during this <laughs> <Yes>. pandemic. <laughs> Hindsight is a wonderful thing. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I, I am. I am so grateful again for your for your time today. If if someone wanted to reach out and find out more information, I know they could just Google your name, and there's a plethora of articles and reports, but what's the best way if someone wanted to connect with you? Well, I think, I think they can find me certainly on the internet. They might be interested in our, it's called a, um, our social COVID study, which is uh, a large study we're doing, which we produce weekly reports, which tell people about anxiety, depression, loneliness, and all those sorts of characteristics. So if people would like to follow that through, they can find that also on the internet. Okay.
Wonderful. Wonderful. I, I am so grateful for your time today. And if you want uh, links uh, to some of what we've talked about today and to find out more about Andrew, you can just go to jackeason.org and uh, share this uh, podcast, this video cast as well with friends, because this is going to be an issue, uh, was an issue before the pandemic and will be yep. an issue afterwards when it comes to loneliness. So I, I am so grateful uh, for I'm you. Sure. Thank you for... Very nice to talk to you, Jack. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. Be sure to check out the website for blogs, videos, and more help on the issues of loneliness, friendship, and community. To get updates on the release of Jack's new book from Ravel Publishing, sign up for an email alert at jackeason.org.